everyone. Welcome back to One Shot at a Time. My name's Daniel, your forever DM. Or Daniel Locke, your forever DM. One of these. Fuck. Daniel, stop it! You're not, you're not gonna know. <laughs> He's over here on the other side just like waving his hands together trying to do a clap take when we don't need it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make every episode feel like a Mario Party minigame where you just have to like be constantly aware of random hazards that are gonna ruin the audio. And by we, he means me, because I have to edit it out later, and I'll just have to hear a random clap right. halfway through. Right. It's kind yeah. of, yeah, it's the, uh, you know, the royal we, as in, like, everybody but not me. So when you when you go to Japan, you learn really cool techniques of, like, speaking in a way that just makes you unassume all responsibility. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, it's great. Fair enough. Anyways, okay, hold on. We just <laughs> ranted for like a good five minutes. Anyways, I'm wondering if we should actually cut this part. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to start it again. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll, de- I'll decide during the edit. Do you think they can hear the sound of like my arms whooshing through the air as I fake clap? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to One Shot at a Time. My name's Daniel. Wouldn't it be really funny if... um. We just don't cut that first part, and then we just, like, keep trying to start the episode. I think at some point, someone would be really annoyed. <laughs> just like, what? What, what is this? What is this podcast? They just keep starting it, but it doesn't actually start. Maybe, like, every time I start a podcast, instead of me starting with, hey, everyone, it's going to be me mid-conversation while we're discussing something, mm. and then trailing it off from there. That'd be pretty cool, right? Maybe, yeah, I maybe. guess. Hey, everyone, yeah. welcome back to One Shot at <laughs> a Time. That one snuck up on me. <laughs> Okay, that's the third try we've done this. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. Yeah, no, I don't think we should include any of that. No, definitely not. We'll start all over. Alright, here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time. My name's Daniel, your forever DM. I always say my last name before. I don't know what I'm not saying anymore. My name's Daniel Locke, your forever DM. No, you usually just say your first name. Do I usually just say my first It's I've been trying to say it more because you're also Daniel, and oh, it gets right. kind of confusing. Although well, it's I... also way funnier. Yes, but also confusing. Hopefully we audibly sound different enough. I think we sound pretty different. Yeah, we definitely do. Recording. We definitely do. And also I like sing my heart out on my way driving here every time. <laughs> so like my voice is way lower than it normally is. So that oh. also helps differentiate. What are you singing to? Uh, kind of depends. Um, just a lot of like indie sort of like electronic stuff lately. Oh, okay. Cool, just cool, whatever cool. shows up on Spotify. You know, Spotify take the wheel. Okay. So we got to do some karaoke, indie, EDM, Spotify take the wheel. Is that the name of the band? No, probably not. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, great joke. Yeah, it's hard, Strong though. opener. Yeah, jeez, I'm so good at this. Okay. <laughs> we finally got a decent take for the opening, and then it's just been ruined. Anyways, you're listening to a D&D podcast, sort of. It's called One Shot at a Time. We take a random prompt and turn it into a D&D adventure. Today's episode, or our random prompt, was actually submitted by our good friend, Josh. He's the rules lawyer for this show, from the past two seasons, and he submitted something pretty cool that Daniel's gonna read off to you. Anyway, why are you clapping again? Oh, shit. Are we trying to? Are you telling me to start it over? Do another cold open? Try. No, again? I'm just keeping you in shows. Okay. All right. Um, what are we doing today? Uh, oh, that's right. I cut you off. What yeah, are you yeah. doing? I cut you off when you were trying to uh, introduce what we're gonna do today. I threw you the transition. Oh my fucking god. Oh, did I just instead choose to use it to just talk about bullshit? Okay. So, today, we've got an article here. We're going to try a live reading. We're in a new studio, um, by which I mean one room over in Daniel's house. Um, but there's a lot of uh, visual stimuli in here, so we'll see We'll see how that uh, affects the outcome of this podcast. Yeah, I dropped $100 on plushies from one of my friends, and now hmm. they're lingering throughout the room. 
that's not bad. Yeah, so... $100 for, for those plushies? Yeah, they're, like, all from, like, round one down in Tucson, for anyone who knows what Tucson is. Um, <laughs> not round one. We assume everybody knows what round one oh, is. Oh, yeah. Well, round one is also, like, an arcade. But, um, I guess her boyfriend had won a bunch of these, spending a lot of money on those crane games, those Japanese... Are they just called crane games in Japanese? I think in Japanese they're called UFO catchers. What? Because it's like a UFO floating around, and then the UFO like kind of oh, comes down to grab something. That explains the Toy Story aliens. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Though I mean, they're an American invention, or I don't know if it's American, but it's a Western invention. Someone brought them to Japan, I assume. Oh, okay. So yeah, but yeah, hundred bucks for like what essentially was ten different high quality plushies. Yeah. I'm went out with a good deal but she was moving so i was helping him out anyways nice uh i don't know if that tangent's gonna stay in there true true anyways all right so let's just be silent for a couple seconds all right hey everyone welcome back to <laughs> <laughs> well i guess that's singing all right uh so someone or wow that's really rude to just be like <laughs> some some fucking guy i don't know who he was sent us this article <laughs> you've been demoted josh to some fucking guy hey, josh if you listen to the podcast i'd love to meet you okay so the title of this article is battling crabs 250 miles off the oregon coast while studying an underwater volcano so right off the bat it really comes out swinging with just some pretty extreme imagery here yeah okay so i'm gonna try we're gonna try reading this whole article out it should take about five minutes or if i've already wasted 12 right and but if i kick it into maximum overdrive i should be able to just really blow through this all right plankton go nuts here we go being out on the research vessel thompson in the middle of the ocean means never really hearing the ocean at all that's a really spooky sentence it's a 24 7 buzz of prepping deploying and recovering geologic sensors trying to understand complicated questions about what makes volcanoes tick specifically the undersea axial seamount, which is about 250 miles west of Cannon Beach. That is a fantasy-ass name. Yeah, that is hella fantasy. Axial seamount on and Cannon, Cannon Beach. Beach. Yeah, damn. Okay, this is writing itself. All right, being out on the research vessel, Thompson also means witnessing firsthand a drama beneath the waves. This is, Ooh, this is like, heavily... Saucy. Yeah, it's, like, very sensational. Mm-hmm. It's a story I've come to call the spider crab and the seismometer. Okay, not as interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it... Leaves a lot to the imagination, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, here we go. We expect sabotage, crab oh. sabotage, crabotage. Crab- oh my god, they were really aiming for that, weren't they? Well, this, this is a quote. Okay. Well, and they didn't actually say crabotage. Uh, because there's obviously a battle going on between Jason and the crabs at Axial Seamount, said Oregon State University volcanologist. The man who said that, volcanologist Bill Chadwick. I might use that name for my next character in D&D, to be honest. The saga starts on a Tuesday. Oh, oh. just like this episode yeah wow good job us our second day out is so timely all right the saga starts on a tuesday our second day out at sea and the rov which stands for remotely operated vehicle called jason is cruising along the ocean floor it's got these oh man this is i shouldn't talk about this but so the voice in this writing so this is all descriptive and there's this really sudden tonal shift where he stops talking with like how do you know it's a he uh hold on let's make an edit point so that i cannot sound sexist fuck it's a girl <laughs> let's edit all of that out let's just next episode please hey everyone welcome back to one shot at a time. 
Alright, hopefully you guys remember what the last three paragraphs I read, because I don't. Second day out at sea, the ROV, which stands for Remotely Operated Vehicle, called Jason. Uh, it's cruising along the ocean floor. It's got titanium arms with pincher hands that can pick up things off the bottom, move sensors around, maybe even play the violin if given the opportunity. Wow, wow Jess. Is... Jess Burns. She's got a sharp tongue. You, I know you're trying to, like, good compliments yeah. after you just called him a dude, but okay. Uh, she, the humor is so good, I would think it was written by a man. Oh, jeez. Anyways. It looks kind of easy, but it's actually really hard. What? What a non-statement. <laughs> Moving the vehicle just right. Using the arm to do really delicate tasks. Okay, I'm really thrown off because the punctuation here is just fucked up. <laughs> Why are you judging this person's writing? <laughs> no, it's just the way the quote is handled. It just doesn't make sense. Moving the vehicle just right is one sentence. And then using the arm to do really delicate tasks. And then it ends in a comma. Chadwick said. So anyways, this... <laughs> We'll link the article if you want to come to this specific spot and see what extremely benign grammar thing I'm complaining about. <laughs> but you probably won't do that. ROV Jason and its arms are controlled by a pilot in a tricked out shipping container that acts as a control room up on deck. There are video feeds from Jason's camera covering one wall. They show the parts of the ocean floor as Jason glides over them. Lava flows, pillars, cliffs, hydrothermal vents. Some which no human has ever seen before. Also kind of a non-statement because most humans don't hang out on the ocean floor. <laughs> Very true. Though I would want to. That sounds kind of dope. We spent a lot of time in the van. That's its own paragraph. Kind of a cool little <laughs> writing technique. The research team had just dropped overboard a specialized seismometer designed to reveal things like the shape of the magma chamber and the volcano. I'm now very self-conscious that I'm pr pronouncing seismometer completely wrong. <laughs> that seismometer seismometer is so sensitive to vibration, engineer Ted... Kozinski said it needs a smart car-sized plastic dome over the top to protect it. The whole idea of that shield is to stop any currents from getting in and tweaking that seismometer. Cool. It was Jason's job to pick up the dome from the seafloor. Oh, you know what we should do is we should use these people as NPCs. Oh, definitely. I've already written down Kozinski and Chadwick. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. Chadwick is great because it sounds like someone made it up on the internet. Mm -hmm. And Jason the robot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. also sounds like something that someone just put no thought into. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, listen to Jason yeah. and I was like okay damn you're just calling out this research team for having <laughs> like, like poor naming sense this is a multi-million dollar research project listen to Jason <laughs> okay it was Jason's job to pick up the dome from the sea floor with those titanium claws and drop mm. it down over the seismometer a group of us were in the van behind the pilot watching Jason work the ROV was just about to place the dome over the instrument then we saw it while Jason had its back turned a big orange spider crab probably about two feet across, crawled into the instrument and took up residence on top of the seismometer. I didn't put the crab into my dive plan, deadpan Bill Chadwick. I read it like more badass, even though I know it was supposed to be a joke. Because he knew this was going to be a problem. After some discussion of strategy, Operation Crab Extraction began. Because the crab was so far into the sensor housing, there was worry that, the J that Jason's claw could damage the instruments. So they decided to try the slurp. Jason's powerful vacuum hose. This prompted Jason's pilot, Tito Colasius. That is a fantasy-ass name. Please write that down. Uh, this prompted his pilot to utter the best sentence on the cruise so far. Stand by to slurp. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Colasius manipulated the claw to grab the slurp's vacuum nozzle. That's for you, buddy, he says, as he moves <laughs> it towards the crab. This is kind of cute. Mm -hmm. We're coming after you. This is your last warning, Chadwick added from Colasius's elbow. What an insane sentence. What? Chadwick added from Colossius's elbow. Okay. In the moment, it appeared as if the mere threat of slurpification would be enough. 
Slurpification. Okay, that's a word Dream now. Dream of slurpification. The crab saw or somehow sensed its impending doom and started to move away. But then, showing John Wayne levels of grit, the spider crab stopped short of leaving all the way. At this point, it was claw time. And in a battle between Jason Claw and Crab Claw, Jason had the advantage. I don't know why this person wrote this in a comic book. <laughs> a cheer erupted in the van as the claw made contact and slowly pulled the crab out. They ended up grabbing it by the legs and flying away with it. The pilot deposited the crab about 65 feet back and the crab scurries away. And that could have been it for the story, but as time wore on, suspicious things started happening below the waves. First, one of Jason's propulsion thrusters went out, causing it to have to move sideways across the ocean floor, which got Chadwick speculating. We had to remove the crab forcefully from one of the instruments. And then one of Jason's thrusters goes out, so we have to move around like a crab. That was a point for crab, and so it's kind of even, he said. But the score wasn't even for long. As the scientists were pulling in the seismometer and shield to check the data collected, the shield part mysteriously vanished. We saw it leave the seafloor when Jason strapped the float to it, but when Pete Liljegren, another Lamont Doherty engineer, recovered the float on the surface, the shield was gone. I think that was the same instrument where Tito got in the altercation with the crab before he put the shield on. The motive is there, he said. At the last benchmark, there was a crab waiting for us there, taunting us, he said. And listen, y'all, for the reporter's money, for this reporter's money, oh, it's crabotage. So they did make the joke. Wow, okay. And then just for anyone else, or possibly for me when I am cutting this episode down, why don't you give us a quick TLDR of what you just read? So I think the whole story was basically just like they found one crab, they pulled it out of one of their underwater measuring devices, seismometers, mm -hmm. seismometers. And then, like, another piece of a different uh, piece of equipment went missing, and they didn't actually figure out what the culprit, or who the culprit was. They just think it's the crab. Yeah. So we're just kind of, like, painting the crab as the bad guy, even though we don't actually know if the crab did it, right? Either way, I mean, we make one-shots here. What are the core concepts from this article you wanted to play with? Or what direction were you thinking about taking this? Yeah, okay, so you're doing research at the bottom of the ocean, so it's definitely going to have like a horror spin on it. I can't really imagine anything else. So or originally, when we first got this idea, or when someone first sent us the article... Um, Don't just call it just someone. It's just some fucking guy... <laughs> Some fucking asshole <laughs> sent us some dumb article is about crabs or something. Yeah. I mean, my friend Josh sent it to me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is also kind of an asshole sometimes, so I guess we'll oh, keep wow, that in Wow, there. he must really not listen to the podcast. You must be really confident that he doesn't listen to I this podcast. I am 100% sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay, great. Because he wants to play in these games one day, and I am... Sure, he doesn't want to be spoiled. Anyways. Sorry, I was just worried that I bumped the box tower that we have I, this mic on. Yeah, I definitely think you did, but whatever, I can edit it out. And if right. not, whatever. It's not like that was important content. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's fucking brutal. What if you were, like, doing a news or, like, a talk show, and then someone made a mistake and you're just like, that's fine, I'm sure it wasn't important content. Where were we? We're talking about the ideas regarding this whole article and what we wanted to pull from, so... Right, okay, no, yeah, bef okay. Wow, this is gonna be a problem on this podcast where... <laughs> I think it's getting worse. Can you not sit still? No, I can't. I need to <laughs> Are see you hot or something else? I need to else? see a doctor about it. Okay. I need to be in different physical positions for when I'm occupying different mental positions, you know? So, like, sometimes I'm... You know what it is? It's literally when I get off topic, I like to lean back. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
And then I have to like reposition myself to be like, ah, yes, this is where I was. Uh, So anyways, 350 years ago when I was talking about what this episode is actually about, I heard about this article through word of mouth from Daniel. I don't know if it was my brain doing this or if Daniel actually said it, but we originally thought that it was about researchers battling 250 crabs. But it turns out it's actually they're 250 miles off of the coast. And it's one crab. And it was literally one crab. Yeah. Possibly um, more. We don't know. Well, there was another crab mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was apparently taunting the researchers. Oh. It was going like, show me your moves. <laughs> um, deep cut, maybe? More like deep cut it from the podcast. <laughs> Not a good joke. <laughs> right. So <Now> I can. <laughs> so originally we were like, wow, people battling a swarm of crabs at the bottom of the ocean. That sounds like RPG as fuck. So I think we're, we're going to stick with that, right? So we're going to have... It'll probably be like your adventurers and you're contracted by somebody and you're going to get sent out and they're like, hey, we're going to research this weird, maybe like strange, like abnormal activity at the bottom of the ocean, you know, like maybe it's like a ley line or something. So it'll be like you're sent to the bottom of the ocean and then we'll fill in the details about whether or not we want it to be like in a vehicle or not. Or maybe, you know, it's just... Yeah, we'll we'll iron it out as we go through. But the core themes I think that we're looking to play with is that... It is a fantasy adventure, but with a more mystery horror elements under the sea, maybe even including stuff of like an eldritch horror because of that tie-in of research and seeking the unknown. But because you're seeking this uh, heavy amount of knowledge that maybe you aren't meant to discover, it leads to this extra layer of depth that corrupts and causes insanity, possibly. Layer of depth. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay, so before we move on, let's decide... Would it be funny to reference Little Mermaids Under the Sea, <laughs> or should I not? Because every time you say it, my ADHD brain is going to be like screaming and pounding on my skull to try and force that out of my mouth. Just mention it once, we'll keep it in there, and then that'll be the rest of it. Okay, well, so why don't you actively try not to use the phrase Under the Sea, Okay. and then we can avoid me adopting a racist Jamaican accent. <laughs> Okay, Daniel is silently laughing. Okay, Daniel is audibly laughing. Now he's coughing. I don't know why that was so funny to me. The three stages of Daniel. Silent laughing, audible laughing, audible coughing. Alright, let's let's move on to the hook of the adventure. So well, we kinda have the hook, right? Yeah, we have a base concept which is some person is telling the party to go to the bottom of the ocean and You're telling the, them to go below the ocean below the ocean okay. to the sea floor and conduct research or right. possibly he already has a device like is there any way we can spice up the hook a little bit more besides oh old man wizard tells group to go bottom of bottom well, of ocean to do things yeah the hook has kind of been old man wizard tells you to do something for the past three episodes so mm-hmm. i guess we should probably spice it up i don't know though because like since it's kind of like a mystery horror thing you wouldn't really have any sort of deep exposition right here's the alternative maybe a group of researchers has disappeared and you're now sent out to go find them and that's the alternative route to kind of mix it up a little bit yep that's that should be like the classic horror thing so yeah for sure and then on top of that you can even give your players the option to build a more tie-in to the one shot by saying like do you have any relationships to these people does your Mm. party have any past dealings with the ocean possibly a father lost at sea maybe a loved one is a researcher uh, a son that was drowned 
something along those lines. Those are all very mm. dark, but usually ties into horror elements quite well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways we could kind of take this because I imagine it would be kind of cool to just tell people like, hey, it's going to be sort of like an ocean-themed mm. one-shot, but then not necessarily tell them that it's, you know, going to be like mystery at the bottom of the ocean. Because if you just say, hey, it's gonna, you're going to be like uh, sort of on a quest and it's going to be ocean-based. Mm-hmm. I'd be kind of interested to see what kind of characters people come up with. Because mm-hmm. you could get sort of a nice mix of like sort of like aquatic adjacent subclasses of like druids Mm -hmm. i mean i imagine a lot of people would be like pirate characters um and just kind of having that weird like assortment of people like literally going to the bottom of the ocean that definitely can be done if especially if they trust you as the dm to create the stories in those sense a lot of worry i have is that if a group comes into play and they're not aware that they're kind of walking into a cthulhu-esque storyline theme versus like a mm. regular fantasy they might be looking for a power fantasy when suddenly they're like oh we're getting our heads ripped off by like squid monsters yeah and i guess sort of the the direction we take the actual combat and stuff will i guess we'll go through that mm. but um yeah, I mean, this is all kind of options, right? Yeah, well, these are just ideas we're thinking about right now and how we want to take this ourselves. I personally would like that mystery aspect. And Same. there's an argument for both sides where it's like, oh, what do you bring to the table? But I guess it really depends on what mystery we're setting in front of them and what core utility items they may or may not need to solve things if we're mm. going to put that in. Because that would be something you have to recommend to the party. It's like, oh, someone needs to be able to, like be able to breathe underwater because you're going to be underwater, which I think they would assume Mm. that's the case, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. For the underwater breathing thing, I assume you would, I mean, just, like, give them pills or something. Mm. Yeah, that's something easy to solve with it. Use this magic object that I made up. It's a giant suppository. (laughs) A lot of Futurama references today, though I guess the clamps one was a phantom reference. Yeah, phantom clamps? Um, Yeah, clamped them. Clamped them? (laughs) Gosh. But, I mean, that's, that's the hook for why the party's going underwater, to below the ocean yeah below the ocean to to solve the mystery of the seismometer and what's going on there playing into the article that we're dealing with and they're probably going to fight a swarm of crabs right yeah there is something like so viscerally terrifying about like i guess we should have it be a vehicle because it's just like it would be so freaky to be like going deep underwater maybe like the lights cut out or something and then Mm -hmm. they cut back on and then there's just like crabs crawling over the windshield oh geez that would be terrifying because they're sort of like spider-like in a way yeah for sure yeah although they're very delicious crabs are kind of cute too yeah we're talking about two different aspects (laughs) of crabs (laughs) yeah not overlapping wavelengths at all but yeah okay so yeah let's let's hammer out more of this outline then i mean we know that they're going underwater and do we want to include as one of the obstacles is them traversing down to the research location? Yes, because I think there are a bunch of just like weird encounters you can do to kind of just fuck with your party. Yeah. Like have them follow weird lights or kind of just like throw uh, basically like bait at them Mm -hmm. to like make them basically take weird like psychological damage so should the one-shot adventure then be more focused on them getting to the location is the more meat of the adventure versus actually being at the location and solving what's there that's probably a good question for after we actually figure out what is going to happen right okay yeah you're right i'm torn between making it like kind of 50 50 or making it you know more like 20 percent 
getting like doing the thing at the place okay. and 80% like just kind of trying to get there. So let, let's commit to the like there was another team of people before them that yeah. gets sent out and then they're trapped in the clutches of a tentacle or something. Yeah, we got a huge list of names for that. So we're definitely uh, yes, doing that. Right. We have some great names from the article. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Jess Burns. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Burns. What was I thinking about? Okay. So yeah, working it on it from the resolution standpoint, what do we want the party to deal with at the very end? And how does the story close out? Cause clearly they're looking for people that have been trapped underwater. And I want to give them at least one NPC that's alive sometime throughout the story that they can interact with mm. that can probably create that psychological aspect and maybe a moral question partway through. And there's probably a battle with 250 crabs somewhere along the line. Um, well, I wouldn't say all 250. Uh, uh, maybe some giant crabs. Okay, okay. We'll spice it up. I mean, I assume, I think the crab swarm would be more for just, like, environmental like aesthetics. Okay. Yeah, and maybe, like, you just do a check, and they'll snip at you mm-hmm. if you fail. Snippy. Yeah. yeah. But at the very least, I think the resolution, either one, they should be able to get out all alive as a group of four. So we're kind of leaning towards, like, a sort of Call of Cthulhu-esque aesthetic for this. But I think we should keep it at its core D&D, where it's like you go to do the thing, mm-hmm. and you all make it out, and you come out with some experience and some gold to show okay. for it. Right. But I think setting another reward being the research data, which is worth a lot of money or can be traded for something very powerful, should also be down there. That way they have two goals to aim for, but maybe they only can get one on their way out. Or should we do the classic stupid horror movie trope where there's like a guy at the top who's like, hey, I sent you this letter, you all got my letter, and I need you guys to go down to the bottom of the ocean because you need to prevent this bad thing from happening or you need to retrieve this thing that is like crucial to the survival of this town or something. But then you go down there and then like you do all this shit, you escape and then you get back to the top and then like he was never there. Oh. And it was all just a some kind of ploy or something because if we could have it like really cthulhu-esque where you kind of just like your journey downwards you're not really sure if it's real or not yeah maybe we should save the cthulhu-ness for when we actually tackle uh call of cthulhu as a ttrpg in the future oh right but that would it that would involve us like actually having to learn and read stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's also the madness mechanic. We talked about that once in a previous episode with Josh before. Oh, okay. Oh, you guys used that? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. In it's D&D a- or you used Cthulhu's? No, it's actually in D&D. So oh. there is uh, some optional rulings on how madness works. Essentially, hmm. you build a new ability score for people. It essentially functions as a regular ability score, but specifically for madness checks. Uh. And every once in a while, you'll suffer different uh, flaws or detriments mm-hmm. based off of a table of madnesses such as you can't stop drinking, you get stunned, and you can't move, or you start throwing up randomly. Just a few other weird detriments gotcha. along with some psychologicals like, oh, you distrust everyone, or you want to get really freaky with everyone. There's just like those classic t- takes. There's actually one that just makes you really horny? I don't remember. I don't think so, actually. Actually, I'm wrong. It makes sense for someone to be mad to do that, but it is really funny to imagine just like, there is just one thing on this huge D100 grid <laughs> of possible things where it's just like, oh, yeah, you just get real horny. <laughs> and everyone else is, like, going crazy <laughs> and doing this extreme role play, and you're just like, oh, I guess I have to be horny. <laughs> no, yeah. 
Uh, what were we talking about? The madness. Yeah. Well, I guess the resolution on how we want to resolve the storyline. Because if we're going to go the route of some spooky generic horror trope where someone sends you down but they never actually existed, it feels kind of bland. Honestly, I guess we could spice it up with the obstacles on how we want to take it, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, really, I think um, the ending itself is probably sort of inconsequential in terms of, like, uh, how much of an impact it has on the overall story. Um, I think the meat of this is probably going to be, like, getting to the actual site will be probably, like, 50 to 80%, maybe, let's say. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when you're, so let's, let's just say like the location you're trying to go to is like some giant dome underwater. Yeah. Let's just say that for now as a placeholder. Yeah. Aqua sphere. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're, you're kind of like trying to get into this mysterious structure and you're like not sure why it's there. And then you'll probably have to have different approaches for actually getting inside. Mm -hmm. And then once you're inside, I was thinking it feels a little bit cheap for it to just like be a boss battle. And then like you kill the boss and then you leave. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe like have a like an encounter, but ultimately what you're doing is you're getting some kind of item and then you're just you you trigger some, you know, slumbering beast or something under under the facility uh, and then you just have to escape. A giant crab. Yeah. Oh, it could be a giant crab. Oh, yeah. Could be like, you know how um there's like I don't know the mythos. I don't remember the mythos, but like there is this concept where like the continent is actually a giant turtle. Oh, it's yeah. Like on the turtle's back, it could be like the seafloor. I'm pretty sure that's from Pokemon. Oh, shit, it is. Oh, I'm not <laughs> cultured at all. No, but I think that's actually based off of a yeah, Chinese mythos. Lit- oh, So okay. I'm, I'm actually just fucking with you. Okay, okay. Don't worry, you're okay. No, I was cultured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are yeah, cultured. yeah, I know about stuff. Yeah, you know about stuff. I don't just like read <laughs> video game shit. Yeah, video game lore about would, starter Pokemon. That would be stupid. <laughs> So the first half is just getting there. The other half is just getting back. And that's the whole point of this journey. They're just trying to get there and get back. Yeah, well, I like the um, sort of, it's not combat, but it's still like an initiative encounter. Mm-hmm. But you're just trying to escape. Yeah. Um, a chase mechanic of some sort then. Yeah, because I think this sort of story deserves to have a sort of illustration of like, you just sort of frantically trying to get away from whatever the fuck is down there. Okay, so kind of similar to, like, the last episode of Tiny Heist from Dimension 20, where they're kind of getting chased by the mob, essentially. And I don't think I actually ever finished We literally season? watched it together. Did we? <laughs> yeah, we did. Did we, though? Yeah, it was right before we played a D&D game and did karaoke. All right, what was I wearing that day? Um, red... No, you're wearing a gray shirt and some long pants. Yeah, that's... I mean, I wear that basically... That's, I wear, yeah, I mean, you could, you, that's like a 50-50 chance. Am I doxing you right. for describing what you're wearing? Um, I mean, if I get, if I, the next time I wear a gray shirt and pants on the street and I get punched in the face by some random guy, then yeah, then I'll come back to you and complain. Okay, okay. But otherwise, I don't think it matters. I apologize to you beforehand. Great. Um, I'll see you in court, bitch. Jeez. <laughs> okay. We kind of have a brief layout of the adventure and what they're trying to do. Let's iron out some of the obstacles to kind of give them some direction then, right? Uh, or is there something else we need to kind of fix up first? Well, I don't know. I mean, do you want to talk about sort of like the motivation and then the sort of overall conclusion? Or do you want to just kind of go into the... Do you mean the motivation for the players or the... Or yeah, what? motivation to go down to wherever they're going down to, where they're actually going, and then, you know. Yeah, let's make sure we pick one first. Co. My original one was I liked 
the idea of a group of researchers missing and the yep. players are tasked to go down there and save them. Right. And okay. then since we're using this article, we might as well make it about a volcano, right? Yeah. They were tasked to measure some underwater volcanic activity and size it up properly with a seismometer. 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 Because, like, seismo. Seismo? Which is, like, um... Oh, Mo? Shit, this is another one of those things where it's like, oh, well, <laughs> obviously seismo means, uh... <laughs> but, no, I think it means, like, magnitude, right? I, you're asking the wrong person, man. I ain't, a, I ain't a PhD. I think I'm also just thinking of a Pokemon move. Seismo <laughs> Seismic something. toss? Seismic toss. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. This Fuck. is a Pokemon podcast now? Yeah, great. We're going to have to throw in Dragon Ball Z at some point oh, as yeah, well yeah. to keep our quota. Yeah, but we also have the Futurama just for the adult audience. Right, right, right. So people know that we don't really read books. We just watch cartoons. Yep, clearly. But, I mean, that's the direction I'd like to take it. Did you want to go the route of mysterious guy tells you to go to the bottom of the sea and collect some ancient relic thing? No, I think that's good. I think I, I like the sort of researchers stumble upon something that they shouldn't have and then... Mm-hmm. Um, you got to figure out what what happened to him. Yeah. Oh, the final chase scene could just be the, the volcano being erupted too. That could be something that happens. Yeah, but I kind of want it to be like you like they awakened to something. Okay, a volcanic crab. How's that? Yeah. What if it's like sort of a like magma crab? Is that a Pokemon too? Um, probably. Yeah. Well, it would be kind of OP though because it would be like water and fire type. Yeah. Is that not a thing? Do they not do offset types? I have I... no fucking idea, man. Oh. It's so sad that we reference Pokemon so much, but know so little about it. So there's just, like, no demographic that we're hitting. Yeah, I mean, this is a consistent thing with this podcast of us not knowing what we're talking about. That's so true, it's, yeah. it's meeting our consistent That's demographic. That's true. That's true. Which is four people now, maybe? Yeah. If we're being optimistic. If the two people I showed this podcast to actually are listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so was there, like, a specific direction you preferred for, like, the hook on why they're going and their motivation for going down? Right, well, actually, that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about what we want the thing at the bottom to be. Oh, right, you're right. Um, That's right, I won this segment (laughs) of the podcast. Congrats. Let the record show. Right, so what would make, like, a cooler mystery? Um, Would it be some kind of, like... Because it's it's volcanic, volcanic, right? So mm-hmm. it would be something like um, some sort of. I'm sure there's some sort of god that resides over. I don't know, like volcanoes or like flame or yeah. something. Probably some fire elemental kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you could mo- maybe it's like something sort of primordial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can spice it up any way you want. You can even just throw it. Say it's like a primordial fire titan and just go from there. Right. 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 And but that's I, what resides at the bottom. I wonder what would be like a a good. What would be the best payoff, right, for, like, when it's finally revealed? I mean, if you wanted to reflavor a Forgotten Realm god, considering that crabs are very spider-like, it could be the spider queen herself, like Loth or something down there. But what is she doing at the bottom of the ocean in a volcano? No, I, I get what you mean, though. I don't think we need to stick to a god, per se. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, like, should it be just kind of, like, a fire incarnate something? Or should it be, like a Cthulhu kind of guy. Uh, I like the Cthulhu kind of guy, but I feel like if we go that route, we have to tie in some more madness-related obstacles in it, which could be possible. Well, I think it would be great, since we are doing sort of horror thing, we might as well mm-hmm. lean into it. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be great if, as a DM, you actually want to run madness. I personally wouldn't really be comfortable running it just because like, I don't really like having agency taken away, and I don't like having to narrate potential inter-party mm-hmm. conflict or whatever mm-hmm. you know like that is forced upon yes. them. yeah 
Um, so I think definitely because this is literally about going to the bottom of the ocean, you could for sure implement the madness mechanic, but yeah. I think it should be fully optional. Yeah, for or, sure. I mean, for this kind of scenario, it would be fully optional. Okay. All right. I mean, it sounds like we're having a hard time figuring out what the fuck is at the bottom here, so maybe we'll circle back to it a little bit later and just tackle it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it is kind of important in terms of, like, what is actually going to happen. Though I guess, so, so are we committed to sort of just, like, sending them down to pick something up and then escaping some big thing that gets awakened and then the final chase scene is them kind of getting the item back to the surface. Yeah. Well, item or people, right? It's like both are possible options. Yeah. Cause, or maybe the final encounter can be like, um, you like find an item and you have to seal whatever the other researchers awakened and then you can return. That's a direction we can go to. Uh, there's like, all of these are great story hooks for a one shot that I'm, totally down working with and honestly could be a one shot in itself it's more of just what we want to go with um i think i'm gonna put my foot down and say i want to or put my foot in my own mouth i don't know we'll see uh, i don't know why so I you're not that. gonna talk <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just not gonna talk oh. you know what <laughs> i abstain i want the party to go down and rescue some people i want them right. to rescue the researchers especially if we're going the more fantasy route i think that's the key goal rescue people get them out of there Whatever they awaken, it could just be like kind of like this hazy blur, but it's unspecified on exactly what it is. Maybe they could have an mm. option to prevent that during this one-shot adventure, but I'm not sure if that will be doable in the time limit that they're probably going to be given between like four to eight hours in one session. Mm-hmm. Unless they're doing a 24-hour session, but God knows I'm not doing that. Right. So is that something you're okay with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I that was always kind of the intention was like you go down there to rescue people but then obviously like there's going to be some encounter at the end yeah um because you kind of have to do the big reveal right yeah or i mean i i mean i guess you could just leave it ambiguous for the whole thing and then just kind of have like it being a sort of looming shadow yeah it could just be a balrog or something but i mean yeah like the main thing is that like whatever is chasing them at the end you can flavor it in a way that it's hard for them to see but there is some dark horror and they themselves feel this existential dredge, dredge? dread yep. from this being that's popped up. And they might feel like some weirdness in the back of their mind related to madness. But maybe that if we're not going to do the madness mechanic or anything like that, they won't feel it until it's awakened. Uh, but we we essentially have the reason they're going down, what they're looking to get, and then the whole the end, which is they're getting the fuck out of the sea. So now it's time to build in some obstacles. So... They're going down to the ocean. Part of the first obstacle is just getting to the location, right? What should they be encountering? Should they be doing survival checks? What problems are they facing? Now that I'm thinking about this, I guess you you wouldn't really need to allocate that much time to them actually getting down to the destination. Well, it depends on how you want to approach it, right? Because if your whole point of this one-shot for them is a survival game where they're given limited resources to make it down there, like they have a limited oxygen supply, they're constantly being hindered in attacks, that in itself could be a very long and dredging obstacle, especially if they have to constantly be looking to how to get the right direction. Right. Since they're going to be in a vehicle for this, though, I mean, I guess they don't have to be. I mean, either way, I think it would not be as interesting to just like have to keep 
battling random sea creatures and like worrying about your fuel and stuff Mm -hmm. the direction i would want to take this is sort of make this this main mystery part of it and have them kind of or whichever npc is going to give them uh the briefing on what they're going to be doing can give them clues on like okay this is what these are like the traces or the you know uh tracks that uh either like the research people left or whatever they're searching for is leaving um and then just kind of give them sort of like this is what you're going to be looking for like you're going to be looking for these energy readings or you're going to be looking for these traces or these you know um like maybe these certain creatures will lead you there so it's like look out for these sorts of clues um and then when your players are actually down there you can like kind of throw little hints at them make them make certain perception checks okay and then like you know based on what they find they can decide which things they want to follow and then like some things are the correct thing to follow some things are not essentially during their descent uh to the facility they're given key things to look for and either glowing crabs uh broken shielding if we're going off the article right and uh possibly a large giant seismometer i guess would be the other one yeah well i figure it would be something like a little more vague kind of just like oh well we know that certain sprites are attracted to whatever like energy that the volcano is uh exuding oh okay okay so like look for these sprites and then you know maybe it's like well we don't really know what the sprites look like Mm -hmm. so when you're down there maybe like you know certain like creatures or certain weird phenomena will happen and then the players will decide if they want to follow it or not okay and this is just getting to the research facility that's at the bottom of the ocean right right so i assume it'll i mean i assume it'll just kind of be a matter of like a few checks okay and then you decide which thing you want to go after and then if you so it'll probably be like some some kind of navigation check and if you do well enough then um maybe like the dc of running into one of these obstacles is higher or lower you know like you have a lower chance of running into it Okay, so I guess that's the second question is, is what's the obstacle they're dealing with uh, if they fail these checks? So uh, clearly the base point of this first obstacle of descending down to the uh, research facility is they must find uh, key signs of where the research facility is using perception checks, but what happens if they fail? Do they get into an encounter? Is there even a point for them to make these checks or should they just be able to just descend there because there's not really enough other problems in the way or story events that's getting in in their way i think we should throw in at least one encounter on the way right Mm -hmm. just to kind of like you know show that well it's the bottom of the fucking ocean and things are gonna be dangerous yeah okay so how about this what happens is they have to pass three perception checks that's Mm -hmm. kind of how the obstacle works if they pass all three they make it down to the facilities cleanly and no problems they don't run into any encounters they don't have to fight anyone uh, underwater combat in itself is usually pretty problematic for most people, uh, as our rules lawyer player Josh would let us know quite commonly during the first <laughs> two seasons. Um, or you could just ignore it. Yeah, or you can just ignore it. That's also a possibility. Just fuck the rules and make everyone else mad on the internet. Uh, <laughs> why don't you use raw guys? It's like, all right. Oh, um, raw guys, huh? Yeah, raw guys. Mm, sounds like a great sushi place. Uh, mm, could be. Okay, but if they fail a check, maybe they fail one check and they start getting attacked by some menial creatures, maybe just like a couple crabs on yeah. the way. If they fail two checks, then they get assaulted by possibly some sea 
people, like some tritons or whatever right. things you want to throw in there. Just a couple of them, nothing too high CR. And we'll say for this adventure, we'll just set them at level 5, just so it's easier for us to run. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a ton of abilities, but they have some that they can use to uh, combat their way down. And the entire time, they're with they're locked within the vessel, so part of the puzzle of fighting underwater is how do you fight while you're in like a submarine going down into the water unless they have some Mm. other way to get down there right right so we are going to have them in in the vehicle yeah i think that's the direction i'd like to go with just so if we are to recommend combat it's easier for them because this is the next part if they fail all three checks i'd say they make it to the research facility but the vehicle gets destroyed so the second obstacle is they have to find another way off hmm i'm okay with that so what I was thinking was for like the encounter checks on the way there, I wanted to kind of basically just throw um, like red herrings at them. Oh, okay. Um, and just sort of be like, you know, you see this freaky sort of humanoid, but like it's missing features in this really eerie way. And it's like swimming this way. Like, do you want to follow it? Yeah. Um, and then they do. And if they do, then it's like some fucked up shit happens. And then what kind of fucked up shit? So I was listening to NADPOD and the part where they go through the elemental chaos and they're in like the water part, mm-hmm. there's this actually like very freaky thing that happens where um, as they're going towards the water elementals temple, mm-hmm. they like uh, the DM describes them seeing just like a bunch of humanoids mm-hmm. like swimming in a certain direction. And yeah. then so hard one is like, hey, I'm going to go swim over and check it out yeah possibly it, hot mermaids right <laughs> yeah and then it turns out to just be like a man with no face oh and then shit. he describes like the guy trying to like take hard one's face and it's like, oh my it's actually gosh. like really freaking i forgot it happened and that's sort of like my inspiration for this is like okay just be like hey do you want to check out this thing at the bottom mm-hmm. of the ocean and then they if they say yes then just like do some fucked up shit to them okay so then maybe if we're going that direction there's only one perception check and if they make it they see something for sure um, and it could be, like, a low one. Like, depending on, like, you could probably set up a chart where it's, like, if they hit, like, a nat 20, they immediately see the facility and they don't have to deal with it. Right. But they right. hit a 15, then they deal with that fucked up thing with a no-face guy trying to steal your stuff. Yeah. And if they hit under a 10, we'll say they get attacked by a swarm of crabs that destroys their ship, and they have to make a hard swim towards the uh, research facility at the bottom mm. floor. That way, it's just something quick and simple, and shouldn't take more than an hour at best, unless they're dicking around and give the players options for them to think of unique ways to solve problems and certain obstacles Mm -hmm. yeah but overall it's all based off of one perception check with multiple different layers of what things could go wrong go ahead yeah yeah so here's what i think should happen is you are sent to retrieve these researchers that are investigating this volcano Mm -hmm. because the volcano is acting strange and it's causing issues topside right Mm -hmm. like it's uh kind of probably like fucking up the fishing because like fish are dying and like washing up on shore for some Mm. weird reason it's too hot yeah and um i don't know like uh fucked up stuff with the tide um maybe like it's uh messing up like some kind of magic balance in the air around that sure area whatever so like you can kind of open the exposition exposition with you know we're gonna send people down there because we need people to fix this or like you know this coast is going to die Mm -hmm. or you know like um all of these like major fishing ports are going to basically die yeah the sword coast is dying right and i guess maybe like ships are getting sunk Mm -hmm. and they don't know why oh wait it's actually called canyon beach right or cannon beach oh cannon beach right okay yeah 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 and so so maybe like you know 
wildlife is getting fucked up, the tide is fucked up, ships are getting sunk and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and they assume it's something to do with just like unstable riptides and like, um, they and they think it's like, oh, we've determined the source to be some kind of magic imbalance because mm-hmm. there's these readings, et cetera, et cetera. We have instruments set up down there. Yeah. And we sent a research team, but they haven't responded and they're not responding to their, you know, whatever magical uh, communication devices. Using. Yeah. So you get sent down there. And you, the entire time, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's like it's getting hotter. But basically, you get to the bottom of the ocean, and then you find out that it's not actually the volcano that is, like, being hyperactive. It's, like, some kind of creature there. Okay. And so, maybe we should just make it, like, a giant crab god. Yeah, I like that. It's a giant crab magma god, and he's just awakened and heating up the water heavily and killing everything around it. And there could even be, like, local water denizens that have some of his features that they've inherited possibly right so i guess um yeah no fuck it i think to stay true to the article we we should make it just like a giant spider crab yeah yeah giant magma spider crab or just giant spider crab right yeah well i mean yeah definitely well well i mean i guess he wouldn't have to be like fire imbued though i guess if he's literally living in a volcano we should probably make it like a Mm -hmm. magma crab yeah i like that like steam crab but not steamed just, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's just really hot delicious crab just yeah. a really sexy crab yeah and the way you beat it is just a lot of butter yeah um, okay great yeah it's weak to butter that's the secret that perfect. we all find out perfect all right that's just one long what joke a, to what a great talk ending. about steam yeah. crab what if you just like build up all this tension you're like oh you see this eerie thing and then you get to the bottom and it's like it's a big crab and there's a bunch of butter <laughs> and you have to butter the crab to defeat it yeah yeah it removes its magical arm and so you can strike it with your arm <laughs> yes yeah revealing it's soft and delicate meat okay yeah your players will love that (laughs) if you want to take it a jokey route okay so we know it's a crab thing the volcano's a red herring so as they're progressing down a couple of like the traps they might be dealing with is maybe shoots of uh steam or magma spiking out so they make a acrobatics check or maybe a vehicle handling okay yeah maybe they have to like navigate through a canyon of fishers yeah yeah great so it's like an acrobatic and vehicle handling check if they fail they take like 2d6 damage uh, assuming they're level five, it's not too dangerous. Yep. And that just hits their vehicle and them. So maybe if you want to, you can even have it more if you need to. Okay. Yeah, this is good. So what we'll do is we'll just have vehicle HP. Yeah. And then they have to get through maybe like three obstacles, mm-hmm. retaining all of their vehicle HP, or it breaks. And then maybe if it breaks, they have an encounter. Yeah. I think if they break, they have to deal with three water denizens which i believe there's uh, a couple like low cr water creatures yep and you can say oh my god what if they're like infected by like head crabs or something oh okay yeah. yeah maybe there's like um i think maybe head head crabs is it too on the nose no pun intended <laughs> it probably is but something along those lines yeah maybe have the, maybe like they are sort of there yeah there is like a parasite on them but mm-hmm. you don't find it until you kill them yes then it's like oh there's like a strange kind of like bulb that's attached to them and then you like if you take it off you realize it's like a crab yes yes okay i like that so that's kind of like maybe the actual key towards what's actually happening down here right and also i think we should clarify for most instances when we say crab we mean spider crabs oh yeah and because if you're imagining just like the straight up like flat head crab Mm -hmm. it would sound really weird to be like well wouldn't you notice there's just like a whole ass crab attached to somebody yeah but yeah um i mean it It could also just be a disease 
Oh, maybe they have crabs. Yeah, and that's actually what's controlling them. Oh, great. Yeah, what a yeah, that's what a great direction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, it's up to you guys as the DMs who run it, and you can let us know what you do. Yeah, it's up to you as the DM if you want to just give your players STDs. <laughs> well, the players don't have it yet. Maybe we'll right. see. We'll can see. It, it could just be a huge disease-ridden style story, and each person who gets infected starts losing control slowly. But although that does take away from character agency for sure. No, Daniel doesn't like that. Okay, I never mind. Fully hate this idea. <laughs> I'm using my once an episode veto. Okay, cool. All right, he he threw out his veto. Hey, yo, that's my Danny DeVito. I don't know how that sounds. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck, man? But that's possibly one of the encounters. Uh, you can string out however much HP reducing for the vehicle, but the people inside don't get it reduced. And then they eventually make it to the site. And if they don't have their vehicle, part of the second obstacle is locating a ship to get out of there. Once they make it to the research facility, should they immediately get connected with the other researchers there too? Because that's also the other question. Right. So I was thinking, let's ditch the idea of there being a facility because, like, I guess it sort of doesn't make sense, right? We would have to make up, like, a reason why there is already a facility there. I would say the reason is just because they were researchers there before. Because you're getting sent in afterwards to, like, recover the researchers that stopped communicating. Right, right. But how about this? So you get to the place and it's actually just, like, a huge natural cave. Okay. And you just see that the previous vehicle, the previous Jason of the other <laughs> yes. of the other researchers is just kind of like parked nearby. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they put down some kind of like ward that allows, you know, like underwater breathing and like resistance to, you know, like the obviously tremendous pressure down there. Yeah. And then that like extremely, obviously extremely powerful magical ward is what awakens this beast. I don't know if it's like a god. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you don't know that yet, and then you go into the cave, and maybe they are kind of, like, being held as thralls or something, and then if you free them, then they explain whatever's going on to you, and then, you know, you escape while the Mm -hmm. crab is trying to, like, summon shit to kill you. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good direction to go with. So once you make it there, probably less than an hour of navigating down to the bottom you yep. make it into the cavern with most likely your ship destroyed or at least partially wounded yep um you're in this cavern and you can either do it as a dungeon crawl where you have like three rooms that you have to go through mm-hmm. and one of the rooms is crab people or just crabs and then they probably could have an attack to try to mind control people i think mm. there is a um oh yeah the name of the creature is intellect devourer that's what i was thinking about it's the tiny little brain thing that walks around um, that could be like the enemies that they're facing inside the underwater cavern. Yep. And they've probably enthralled some of the creatures. You can use it exactly like the intellect devourer, which I think is only like CR two or something low. The biggest danger is anything with low intellect. It can essentially insta kill. Yep. So I think that works. That works well for this setting because it's kind of just like the weird mob creature that is like a prelude to whatever is going to be down there. Yeah. So full disclosure. Back from a break. No, shut the fuck up. We cannot let him know about this. Well, what I what why this is important is because I I need to re-summarize this for myself. Okay. Just so we can make sure we know what we're hitting and then know what we're gonna use from the previous segment. Exposing us, Daniel. Yep. I was. Is there a word for like when it's like kind of like hangry, but you're not angry. It, you're like experiencing existential dread. A bitch. Like, uh, oh, excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? Yeah, okay, so you get called to probably, like, a port town. There's 
probably maybe that's like a guild there and they kind of oversee all of the i guess it's like a mage's guild right so they kind of oversee like the sort of balance of mana in the area sure um maybe it's like a druid circle something like that it could be any of those three yes yeah only gullible. those three though only those three none of the others it can either it's either a guild a mage's guild or circle of druids yeah if you choose anything else um we're, we'll see you in court because, <laughs> oh gosh because okay. this is our ip yeah so you get called over there they contract you to go and search for researchers that are missing as a team of researchers the researchers went down there for the first time so it's kind of like a pioneer expedition mm-hmm. To the bottom of the ocean because they suddenly detect some crazy readings. Yep. Uh, well, okay, so you'll go down in a um, vehicle, some kind of, like, rover, and... Josh? No, not Josh. It's Jason. Jason. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, obviously, you can tell now that we've been away from the mic for a while. And now Daniel really can't edit that out. Damn. So you're in your rover, Jason. You're going to have a set health for the rover. There's going to be a few obstacles. Here's the sort of concept as you're getting deeper in your rover. So we're trying to build horror, like, tension here. Mm-hmm. So you'll start out, you'll be, you know, cruising through coral reefs. It'll be, like, this fun kind of below-the-ocean expedition. Yeah, Mario Sunshine style. Oh, yeah, damn. You know, that game has some great aesthetics, and there is definitely parts where, like, it gets really freaky. Yeah, especially that eel when you have to clean its teeth, oh, that one geez, puzzle. That yeah. was messy. Yeah, that is, like, kind of the vibe I'm going for, but, like, less dentistry. <laughs> um okay. so what i'm kind of imagining is like you'll be like going through the coral reef and everything will be cool like you can do some sort of interesting narration if you're into that as you get deeper into the ocean maybe you'll have an encounter with just like some sharks or you know some similar like standard aquatic creatures mm-hmm. to kind of be like hey now that you're in the deep ocean shit is kind of getting real so like you kind of have to be careful mm-hmm. um so maybe you'll have like a quick encounter or maybe you'll just have to like maneuver away from them and see if your ship takes any damage yes then as you get deeper then we can kind of start dropping hints as to the nature of this disturbance so like give the red herring of hey there's volcanic activity that's like disrupting life in the area mm-hmm. um, it's causing issues with the tide it's causing issues with this and that and uh, we need you to go down and so as you go down you realize that, like, it's not the volcano per se, but, like, there's just weird creatures that you're not sure if it's because it's just a part of the ocean that no one's ever been to, Mm -hmm. or is it because there's something else. And to tie in, you can even use older creatures that they might have dealt with earlier. Maybe they had a shark attack they had to deal with, but now they have another one that's far deeper in their sea, and you can add in some flavoring on how their skin might be changed. Maybe there's weird bumps or something oddly attached to it if you want to go that route. Yep. Let's do this. We'll just arbitrarily say, hey, there's going to be three encounters. You know, if you're actually going to run something like this, you can make it however many you want. But just for podcast's sake, we'll say, hey, there's going to be three encounters, and you need to survive all three encounters with your ship intact. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the consequence of your ship breaking will be, like we said, like an additional encounter where you don't have your ship. And that'll be sort of at the base of wherever you arrive at. But for our purposes, encounter number one will be like a shark attack mm-hmm. of some nature. So yes. uh, you can either choose to engage it if you want to like swim outside the ship because it's still sort of, it's not like super high pressure ocean. So you can write off. You're not going to die from... No underwater combat issues, possibly. Just write that one off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, if you don't want to fuck with, like, disadvantage and stuff underwater, then just be like, fuck it. Yeah, you could also just say, like, they get a magic suppository and... Yeah, yeah. Just say the mage has casted something on them that, yeah, it just, like, gives them full swimming speed underwater, etc. Yeah. 
I will say that it does add an extra layer of dread because of how dangerous underwater combat is, especially mm-hmm. for certain races and certain creatures, that it can add to the horror elements. But again, kind of take a hint based off of how your players came into this and adjust accordingly. Is right. I'm saying. I mean, this is just an aside, but if you would like to explore that further, that dynamic further, um, I guess you could have it so like you do impose disadvantage on them when they're in the water, but you kind of have a way to or you grant them a way to remove it mm-hmm. through something, you know, like uh, set up like some kind of cache that they find, um, you know, some kind of enchanted fantasy scuba gear. <laughs> it's a fantasy scuba suit. Yeah. F, F scuba. Because <laughs> I know scuba is already an acronym, but I don't know what it's for. Where, what were we talking about? So they have the oh, three encounters, right? Right, right. It's so funny that I was like, hey, this is just an aside and it doesn't have anything to do with the episode. And then, yeah, and then it actually, lie. it just made me go off topic, and then I forgot <laughs> what I was actually talking about. Right. Yeah, okay, so we're doing these encounters. Yeah. So you, sharks, encounter number one. Some kind of just, like, standard ocean encounter that says, like, hey, you're in the ocean. Yeah. You're below the ocean. And then, uh, so basically, encounter three is going to be, like, there's probably going to be, like, some kind of canyon that they have to navigate to get to the destination. Mm-hmm. And the canyon will, you know, be full of, like, volcanic fissures. Mm-hmm. And you probably have to, like, you know, do some piloting checks like we mentioned before. Yeah, vehicle handling. You can use animal handling if you really want to. Just Or, or maybe just they're a, riding a giant seahorse. Yeah, they could just be riding a giant seahorse. Or they're in a whale. That'd be cool, too. Whoa. Yeah. And then the whale gets hurt so bad it dies underwater. That, yeah, okay, that's really fucked up. <laughs> if you make the vehicle a living thing, that, yeah. I mean, it definitely adds to the horror aspect yeah. of just being like, wow, it's, it, our vehicle is dying. Yeah, it could be a druid that just transformed oh, no. into a whale oh no yeah it's just like hey we gotta go check this thing are you guys ready and then it's just like get in me <laughs> he hops in the water and then a whale comes out he's just like get inside me that'd be fun i like Off that flavor it. honestly it's really cool yeah feel free to use that if you want to just like subject your players to body <laughs> horror <laughs> okay but let's say they like lose their ship or whale what happens right they well do. we need to shove something into the second for the second encounter, right? And so I think the second encounter is going to be like you meet some maybe like infected merfolk or something, mm-hmm. and you're not sure why they're aggressive, and you're not sure why they're so deep down, mm-hmm. um, and then you find out that they're like kind of, there's like a weird parasite on them. What about this direction? Maybe it's like a scuba suit with someone in it, like a, one of the researchers that had drifted off a little bit earlier. Ah, yeah, perfect. And then this is also an opportunity if you wanted to give them a scuba suit, you can just take that one. Right, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. And then um, feel free to just like, extend this as much as you want add your own horror stuff change the themes if you want yeah it depends on how long you want this one shot to go or if you want to extend it but for us i think three is more than enough it would probably take way too long any more than that yep and we've also just spent way too long talking in circles on this podcast already <laughs> so it's time to move True. on so last thing though their ship dies what yes. happens What's that so encounter? so i assume well i'm sure there's a million ways to safeguard this but basically it's like have it so if you fail the sort of escape check for mm-hmm. each encounter, then whatever you're encountering will attack the ship, and you'll take a fixed amount of damage, and then you'll have to fight. But if you successfully get away, then you maybe take half damage, or you take no damage, and then you, you don't have to fight. Okay. But in the event that the ship does break, the whole explanation is at your destination, at where like the magic reading is the greatest, there's like a giant natural cave formation. The researchers who went there before have already set up some kind of ward, to make the area breathable and not decompress. It's magic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I ain't got to explain shit. So, so you're able to just like freely swim around in that, in like a wide area around that cave. And as, as a result, the sleeping giant crab monster is awakened. 
uh, at like kind of the depths of the cave. So if you lose your ship, then you're kind of like in that zone. Mm -hmm. I guess at that point you can be like, well, you know, you see the reading is extremely powerful in this direction so you can swim down there mm-hmm. um and i guess maybe like as a punishment you can throw another encounter at them if you want yeah or they could just be taking damage from the other enemies that they were dealing with earlier or yeah. maybe volcanic energy and that's hitting their actual hp mm. so that's a little bit more damaging for them in the long run yeah and they probably only get short rest through this because most of this is probably a really quick next to next scenario and if right. they get a long rest it probably changes the horror dynamic a bit because if you're yeah. taking a nap at the bottom of the ocean that's kind of weird okay. yeah but, I mean, that's a, pretty much the summary of everything up to this point, right? Yep. All so right. now we kind of just decide how much you want to put into the kind of final location. Yeah, well, considering how long it took to get to here, once they're here, I think they could just be fighting intellective hours for a little bit and then uh, enthralled researchers, which you can just use, like, regular town guard stat blocks or regular civilian stat blocks and then it becomes a moral question of do you how do you do you want to try to save them or not um, or do you realize that they're even yeah enthralled. who you're sent to save or whatever yeah. Right. yeah 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 i think the first encounter would just be a couple of researchers that have either been enthralled or maybe it's one researcher running from a couple researchers no I think the way I'd set it up is you meet a couple researchers that are currently uh, mind-controlled. They're controlled by the crab or intellectual devour. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, welcome, and they're trying to lead you further in, and you can insight check them for like a 15 or 16 higher DC and or dice check, and if you confirm that they are, in fact, lying to you, you can fight them right then and there. If- Doesn't DC stand for difficulty check? Yeah, maybe it's difficulty check. Sorry. I don't actually know. Okay, I... Yeah. No... That was... I shouldn't, I shouldn't have thrown you off. No, I'm a bad DM. It's okay. About? He confirmed I'm a bad DM. He called me called out you for out. the eighth time this uh, episode. Damn, Jeez. that's 2-0. Oh, man. I'm dominating this podcast. Yeah, Daniel is winning the Daniel vs. Daniel podcast. I won, I won the podcast best of three. <laughs> Anyways, the first encounter I would set up is just, here's a couple enthralled researchers. They're here lying to you to tell you to go in further so they can capture you too and join the cult of head crab people. Yep. As you go further in, if they pass the insight check, they'll know that something's wrong. You know, you can say that they're sweating oddly a lot. Underwater? Or maybe, yeah, underwater. They're probably ex- exuding some kind of goo. Or yeah, some... maybe they're just like, acting really nervous or, yeah. or like weirdly lacking personality or something. Yeah, like that. I think yeah. that's a great way to take it. And yeah. their conversation and dialogue is just very like monotone in right. a weird way. Yep. Um, unless you know how crabs talk, then mimic what a crab would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, as they go further in, uh, you'll see like one other researcher trying to escape and they're like, no, they're all, and they're all been captured and mind controlled. You guys got to get away. And then you turn and they attack you immediately. Yeah. Okay. So let's dig into this part. Cause I think this is going to be the most important place to really flesh out because this is going to be like the big reveal. And then we also kind of have to figure out like what the actual resolution is. Yeah. Uh, so the setup is. You're there looking for researchers. The researchers have all been turned into thralls of this giant crab god mm-hmm. or thing. And so I guess what we'll do is it'll sort of be like a mini dungeon. You'll walk in. There'll be one encounter where it's just like a trivial battle against these intellect devourers. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll dispatch them quite easily uh, just because they won't have much HP. How do you want to set up the following encounter with the possessed researchers? Will it be, like, a single battle with, like, all of them? Or uh, will it kind of be, like, fighting them in waves? Like, I will it be, it, like, a bunch of thralls? Yeah, so I think it depends on how the players go about it. If they pass the insight check in the beginning and discover that these thralls are under control, they can attempt to free them with, I believe, like, I don't think they have greater restoration at level 5, but maybe they can knock them unconscious, and they'll be prepared going in to the next room, which will have 
the thralls and the intellect devourers waiting for them, and this one lady trying to run away. Yeah, okay. one researcher trying to run away, which we'll name Chadwick. Uh, Great. Okay, so why don't we do this then? Just make a sort of chamber that's kind of like an incubation room. Yes. And then you'll have like a few of the researchers already fully enthralled, and mm-hmm. then you'll maybe have one on like you know trapped somewhere that is in the process of mm-hmm. like being taken over by this parasite or something. I guess like if you can rescue her, there maybe there's like some kind of check involved to like successfully remove her from her cocoon or something. Yeah, we could just say she's placed at the center of the room just to make it like very battle map setup. Right. And then around there there'll be two to three intellect devourers with two to three thralls, just so it's not yeah, okay. super aggressive for the players. Yep. And they can be armed with like very menial weapons or just use a city watch or some easy use uh, stat block. Yep. And then they fight it out. They either kill all the thralls and the intellect devourers, and then they cut the lady free and they can go, or they decide to leave her and then ditch. That's also an option with what they've seen, because yeah. there's always a chance they run away. Right. Either way, after the end of combat, I think to force them out of the cave, you just have like a horde of the head crabs or intellect devourers run after them. So the swarm of spider crabs that we were looking at earlier. Yeah. So for the purposes of this, what should we have the resolution be? Because there should be some... Should we have them seal off whatever the researchers found? Assuming that, you know, the default is that the researcher gets rescued. Mm-hmm. Should she be like, you know, we've awakened this thing and this is how we're going to seal it. So, like, help me get this thing done and then we'll get out. Or, or should it just be like, we're going to escape? I think both routes should be open to them. I think for them to seal it off, they probably need to do some, like, one more, like, large encounter with maybe, like, the a giant crab of some sort if you Mm -hmm. want to, and then you throw the shell to block it off and seal off the volcano where the crab god comes out. But alternatively, if the party's like, oh, this is too dangerous, it's like we've already became really hurt, Mm -hmm. they could escape to the surface and notify the druid circle or the wizard group about what's Mm -hmm. going on, and then they can bolster... It ends on a cliffhanger, but it's like a battle between like these sea creatures or these like enthralled researchers and Mm. like people from the sea coming up off the ocean and now there's a battle between land and sea i do really love the potential of a follow-up where like a bunch of enthralled sea creatures just Mm -hmm. kind of like rise onto land and becomes like a shitty 90s b-horror movie yes exactly perfect okay i think we got it down for this one shot on like a few branching paths for the players to go about and ideas for the dm on where they want to take it yeah of course you as the DM can take it however you want. We kind of already did a recap earlier, so we're not going to do that again. But yeah, Daniel, like as a player, would you want to play in this? Yeah, I would want to play in this as a player to the point where as a designer, I don't even want to know what is at the bottom <laughs> because I just keep being like, well, wouldn't it be cooler than that? <laughs> and like, no matter what I think of, it's just like, well, but it should be like more mysterious. But then, because it's kind of like a, once you know, then... It's, yeah, it's a monkey paws curse. Yeah, it's definitely rough for the person who makes this and hears the story. So if you're listening to this and you're a player, guess what? You're the DM now. You got to run it because you already know what happens. I'm sorry. It's not as cool. Good luck. Yeah. Definitely just come up with a cool horror or mystery and then email it to us. Yeah, please. Do a better job than we did. We talked (laughs) in circles for like two hours. What we have discovered here is that uh, it's very hard to just on the fly come up with a cool, compelling horror mystery. Yeah, I mean, this is D&D, so a lot of those elements are going to be brought to the group at the table when they're playing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it comes a lot down to just how you narrate it, mm-hmm. how, like, if you have good timing in terms of, like, uh, when you're introducing these sort of reveals. Yeah, proper musical vibes, and just how, what players fear 
personally. Yeah. They're... Like, definitely, I mean, like, just be, like, physically threatening your players, mm-hmm. like, in real life. <laughs> like, just throw crabs at them? Yeah, just, like, use really aggressive body language, mm-hmm. have, like, um, like blunt objects laying around that you kind of just, like, brandish from time to time. Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. when, like, you make the room very dark, and, like, under the table, you have, like, little legs that, like, start crawling at them, yeah, and you shift yeah, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Go definitely. on that extra level as a DM is what you're supposed to do. Yep. Just horribly scare your players in this submission. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's still an adventure. I think it's pretty decent, would you say? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, like, obviously, I love the concept. Mm-hmm. I love what we've arrived at, and I think it's a good enough outline to sort of let people fill it in with whatever they think would make, like, a freaky storyline. Yeah, we definitely tried our best this time to give you an actual full adventure without you having to do too much work, but there's still going to be a lot of layers, especially since it's a mystery. But as usual, we'll put a positive spin on it and say that it's just really modular, and you can do whatever you want with it. (laughs) Yes, it's such a modular campaign. Got him. We did a great job. Go us. Anyways, uh, that's all we have for you all today. Thank you all for listening to One Shot at a Time. My name's Daniel Locke, the Forever DM. I'm joined by... Daniel Lee, some fucking guy. Yeah, some fucking guy. You really need a better title than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's my character arc, you know? And so, like, maybe by season six, I'll have, like, a cool, like, God Slayer or something. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, God Slayer Daniel in the future. Uh, do you know our Twitter handle? At one, two, three, D&D. Man, if I had numbers in our name... So retro. It should, might as well have the two X's on each side. XX123DND123XX. Uh, <laughs> XX. No, our Twitter is at one shot at a time. You can email us any future prompts at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com. As always, please tell your friends if they like D&D or if they like two Daniels talking or both. That's yep. always an option. Tell them. Have them listen. Make them listen. Actually, don't make them listen. That's kind of mean. But tell your friends. Thank you all for listening and leave a five star review if you get a chance. Any other closing statements? We might have to re-record an outro again in the future. Alright, well, someday you'll know just how deep down the VTuber rabbit hole I am. Yeah, Richard knows. Does Does he he know? No. No. I don't think so. I try to really conceal that shit. (laughs) Don't stop lying to yourself. (laughs) Anyways, thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your night. Bye, Richard, and everyone else. Bye-bye.